today we're going to start the session with a conversation with Eva Yazari, General Partner at Beyond Capital Ventures. Welcome to the show, Eva. How are you? Hi, Sarmana. Great to be here with you. Doing well, thank you. Where are you dialing from, Eva? I am dialing from Dallas, Texas. Okay. Terrific. Well, we are in Silicon. I am in Silicon Valley. Maureen is in New Jersey, and uh, Tarek, who's going to be pitching later, is in Tunisia. So we do have a very diverse, geographically diverse presence here. Um, Eva, let's start by introducing our audience to yourself and Beyond Capital Ventures. Tell us a bit about your background and what you're trying to do with Beyond Capital. Sure, yeah. So uh, my background is working on Wall Street. Um, I worked in the hedge fund industry over 10 years ago and left with the intention to return to some family roots centered around living in Africa and um, working in Africa um, and you know being more focused on emerging markets and the impact and returns that can be created in emerging markets. So what we mm -hmm. do at Beyond Capital Ventures is we're a seed and series is a venture. Um, we fund um, companies that are um, innovating around need to haves, led by what we call conscious leaders in India and East Africa. So we, we invest in four countries. Um, we've got a diversified portfolio of businesses, um, which again, have you know, strong return pro potential and, you know, our, our for-profit businesses, but also have uh, potential to generate impact. And this is our, now we're kind of on our second fund um, and we are rolling forward with starting our initial investment period. So that's what I'm focused on right now. And um, our, our kind of general, our general investment thesis is really centered around, you know, the early stages and really making sure that founders get the capital that they need to be able to grow and scale. Now, you started off by uh, focusing on geography. Is that one of the key uh, organizing principles of how you are thinking about investment? Yes. Oh, yes, it is. Um, I mean, for us, we, we are investing in two of the top four emerging markets destinations globally, and that is a strategic integration. And what we've realized is, you know, while we work very hands-on with the companies in our portfolio, what we've realized is that there is a need for capital um, and products that are more diversified when it comes to investors. And that's why we've created this turnkey solution. But yes, um, our, you know, I get asked all the time, would you invest in, you know, Latin America, would you invest in other parts of Asia? The answer is no. We've been an expert for the past decade, having built our first fund portfolio of 11 investments um, currently in these markets. In Africa? In East Africa and India, yes. East Africa and India, okay. All right. And um, what is the size of the fund? So we are raising $30 million. And the previous fund was? The previous fund was a smaller pool of capital. Um, it was a pilot portfolio of about a million. About? One million. One million. I see. So you're raising 30 million and you have so far deployed one million. Okay. Actually, and, um, um, so that's actually not true. I just want to make sure that um, the, the details are clear and, and correct. 
Um, so we're raising 30 million. We've already raised a certain amount, but due to SEC regulation, I can't share that number on this call. Um, but cool. we have started to deploy already and started to invest, and we're very active in market. The second fund. You've already started to deploy the second fund. Got it. Okay. Now, um, talk about maybe three or four of your portfolio companies to illustrate the way you think about investment and specifically talk about how you found them, what did you see in them that made you write the check, what kind of check sizes are you writing, and yes. what stage requirements do you have to feel like, okay, now we can write a check? Absolutely. So I'll tell you um, kind of the narrative around one of our investments called Frontier Markets, um, which is a uh, last mile distribution platform based in India, focused on particularly rural last mile and working with an agent network of female agents who can also provide access to last mile consumers and earn an income and improve their livelihoods as a part of being uh, working with the company. We, the company started out actually distributing um, solar products and renewable energy products. In 2012, we had looked at many standalone solar lanterns, um, products that, you know, could get into a household, but it was really just a one product play. And we decided that we didn't want to take on that risk of one particular product and wanted to go out and find a distributor. Um, we have over a hundred sourcing and co-investment partners. And so through that network, we were able to find um, Ajay Shaw, the CEO of Frontier Markets and got to know her and her company for their seed round. Um, of course, uh, we always look for some initial business traction. Um, we look for, we're not really investing pre-revenue, it's really post-revenue. And um, we look for kind of an early validation of product and or, or the service, because we do invest in, in mostly services, but, but some product-oriented businesses. Um, we look for validation that customers are willing to pay, um, or whether that's B2B or or B2B2C or B2C directly, we do have kind of all th those different types of businesses in our portfolio. Um, and we look um, for some elements of strength of customer retention and engagement. Um, and so this was, you know, very early we invested in the seed round of, of Frontier Markets, but I think it had one of these qualities. But primarily what it also possessed was a very strong leader who we knew we could bet. And I joke that in this particular case, um, in every business I do think is different. So it's, it is hard sometimes to distill down the criteria to, you know, specific bullet points. But I joke that I've never been in a room with a Jeta where she hasn't walked out and somebody whispered in my ear, how can I get invested in her company? And so resource attraction is also very, very important. Um, in that deal, it was in our first fund, so we wrote a, a smaller check than we are right now. Right now, our sweet spot is between 250000 and 700000 in seed, and then um, 400000 and $1.1 million in Series A. So we will do follow-ons um, in this fund as well. Um, one more example is Kasha. Um, it's a women's health e-commerce platform in Africa. It's becoming Africa's leading femtech company. And we did also invest in the seed round for Kasha. And um, in addition to validating the market around lacking access to women's health, destigmatizing women's health products, um, and using technology in order to reach women um, to buy the things that they need every month, but also, you know, soaps, lotions, 
um, candles, like other aspirational products, we really like the leader. And we believe that conscious leaders are the secret sauce to impact investing, meaning a leader who's thinking about all stakeholders. And Joanna Bixchel, the CEO of Kasha, has really proven that being able to think not just about your customers and your shareholders, but also thinking about your employees and their well-being by thinking about the government, um, whom she has worked with in Rwanda extensively, um, as well as the community and in some cases the environment. And thinking about all stakeholders is a winning strategy for companies in emerging markets um, because there are so many external factors. It's not only a risk mitigation tool, which we think is really critical, but it's also uh, a mindset that really helps companies unlock value in unique and authentic ways. So um, you are investing post-revenue. Yes. What, um, what metrics or benchmarks are you using to gauge whether you, know, you can build a venture-scale company based on whatever early revenue traction you see? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of our our metrics, because we're a multi-sector fund, do relate to specific sectors. Um, sure. But often, you know, we're looking at the like, just kind of, you know, the growth of average order value, we're looking at, um, let's say that's kind of more of a, a B2C sales company, um, or B2B2C. Um, if it's more of a services company, um, we're typically looking at, um, just kind of like the growth of their contracts, um, the relationships that they have, the potential like booked contracts that they already have. Um, so a lot of it is uh, centered around the ability for the company to take what it's doing now and take that to scale. Um, but it is it is tricky because you know if it's fintech, then obviously, and fintech is not just lending. I just I think that that's kind of a, um, a view that some people have. It can also be savings, it can also be insurance, it can also be lending credits rather than capital. So just taking one metric of like average loan value um, or you know even repayment rate um, doesn't always exemplify, I think, what we need. So we're very bespoke in how we approach our due diligence and the metrics that we're creating. Um, we do a extensive work on the companies that we invest in with the hope that we're building a relationship for the future. And that we can also, um, through our reputation, help attract additional capital as well. And I know the conversations that you have on this, on this, you know, on this topic center around well, how how can companies raise additional funding beyond the Series A raise as well? So we do focus on that um, when we're setting up our due diligence and the metrics that we're looking at or metrics that we're looking to track post investment. And. Um... So these two markets that you are interested in, India and Africa, uh, India we are quite big in. We've been right from the beginning. We've played a big role in India's development as a startup nation, so to speak. Um, off late, we're seeing a lot of African companies come here. And um, I would say in the last couple of years, it's, it's accelerated very significantly. Um, we even have African companies in our premium program. So uh, I guess the question that I have for you is, uh, how do you synthesize the trends in Africa? And how do you synthesize the trends in India from your point of view, impact investment point of view? There is, of course, the, the whole Indian you know, tech 
sector investments that are not necessarily impact investments, it's just generally investments. I mean, it's high impact because India is coming up as a you know, technology startup nation, and that's in high impact in itself. We do a lot of work in that area. One of our big successes was Freshworks, which went public uh, earlier this year. But from an impact investment point of view, how do you synthesize the trends, the state of the union, so to speak? Yeah. So what I say today is, I think, really important that it's contextualized on December 16th, because I think that particularly in our markets, money is moving in really fast and it's changing the landscapes. Um, so let's talk about Africa first. Um, there's never been any more money invested in startups in 2021. It's now about $4 billion across the continent. Our focus is East Africa, to be clear. So it's Kenya, Rwanda, yeah. Uganda. Um, but we do look at companies that are scaling across the continent from these regions or scaling into, into our markets from other, other markets as well. Um, what we are seeing, I think, um, that we're really excited about are, um, in, well, two things, industries that have not been yet disrupted. Um, so we are in the, in the med supply industry. That was our first investment in Rwanda and Kenya and DRC. Um, and that industry is, you know, has very sleepy incumbents that, you know, don't really think about how to innovate around what their customers, which are health clinics, hospitals really need and how to deliver what they need in a timely, affordable and quality way. So there are a number mm -hmm. of industries in East Africa at the moment that have not yet been disrupted. Um, then there's kind of, you know, we know that mobile money was born in East Africa. Um, we see a lot of, you know, great fintech companies. And what we're seeing is kind of the next iteration of these businesses. One great company in our pipeline right now um, is not giving cash. They're giving credits to gig economy workers for things like petrol, for things like, um, you know, repairs that they may need for their motorbikes, just for the general kind of needs that they have on a day-to-day -day basis, including also we're seeing a lot of wage advances as well. So these, so these kind of credits are needed out there in the marketplace, um, and there are different ways of slicing through the fintech vertical. In India, um, we are very cautious. Um, I would say that the deal flow um, is, you know, is many. There are many deals out there, but um, we do think that there is, you know, a lot of FOMO, for lack of a better term. I think that, you know, the investment community probably needs to recognize fear of missing out as a part of its kind of day-to-day -day life. And we do try to stay away from, you know, it, rounds where they have very, very high valuations. Um, or where they are, um, you know, let's say kind of me tooing other companies that maybe just have a moat around them. I mean, there are a lot of really incredible businesses that have been built. As you mentioned, you were invested in a company that went public recently. Um, these, these companies, I think, have created and, and been able to absorb a lot of market share in a really unique time where they didn't have as much competition. And now the competition is starting to come in. So what we're very wary about are these kind of me too strategies. Um, and then we're also wary of technologies that are not relevant. In, in our markets in reaching low income consumers, whether it's, again, B2B to C or B2C, um, with you know innovations in our portfolio, 
we are really looking for authentic um, impact and true dedication to those lower income consumers. So it's very easy to come in with an idea and say, you know, end to end technology, that's really not going to work for all, all of our markets. And so it really needs to be tech assisted models. And so we try to stay away from companies that, you know, I see these all the time that say, you know, I can do everything for the smallholder farmer through the smartphone, or I can do everything for the smallholder farmer through technology. Um, there needs to be more uh, human intervention, maybe an agent model wrapped around that. So um, if I'm hearing you correctly, so my observation is that the higher end of the market is extremely active. I wouldn't say crowded because it is a very large market and a very large pool, but it's very active and, and there's a lot of competition. There is a lot of concept arbitrage. You can call it me too, but there is also, you know, there's, there have been very successful companies built by copying models from elsewhere and then innovating on top of that. So that, that's very happening extensively in the what I call the global tech space as well as the India-facing tech space. And then there is the B2C, higher-end B2C, where you know there is this very large population of internet users that is quite affluent and is buying online, et cetera. Now, the market that you're talking about, the you know, let's say the bottom of the pyramid kind of market, is it as crowded? Is it as active from where you sit? So our first fund focused more exclusively on the bottom of the pyramid, but we are in our second fund, we're increasingly, um, we, we raised the target income to be more lower middle, lower kind of basic and emerging consumer oriented. Um, so we are, we are seeing the same level of activity that you are. I would say though, it's probably not as active as the higher end of the market. Um, okay. So for example, one of the, um, Sermana, one of the, the trends that we're observing is that there aren't enough deal leads out there. And so we're stepping up as a deal lead um, and pricing rounds because we have the track record of over a decade, the knowledge and the confidence and the tools to be able to do that. But that's maybe where there is actually a difference in, in the two markets that you pointed out. Yeah, interesting. And um... What, when you look at Africa and when you look at India, what do you see as a stark difference? In both cases, you're looking at the bottom to mid-bottom of the pyramid. What, what are the differences? Yeah, in terms of business model innovations, um, we actually don't always see that many differences. I think some of these mm -hmm. important innovations um, centered around you know how to create a viable tech assisted model um, really can span our geographies which is why we being multi kind of geographical being you know diversified across the geographies is you know doable for us um, the differences i think that we tend to see are how capital flows um, so you know you know the india market really well and i'm glad that you're seeing more africa deal flow in the accelerator um, or Africa companies in the accelerator, um, we are just seeing that there are significantly less angels. Um, there are significantly less, you know, family offices or kind of corporate corporate investment yeah. entities. The financial market is much less developed in Africa. There's no question. Indian market has come up a lot. 
yeah. financing infrastructure-wise, absolutely. And then, you know, there are, of course, some nuances, for example, in fintech, um, a company in Africa can initially start to lend off their balance sheet, depending on where they're based. Whereas that is not something that is possible in India. So we do see some kind of nuances. And then we are seeing valuations, as we mentioned, kind of, you know, the financial markets are, are at different stages. We are seeing that being reflected in valuations of businesses. Yeah, so my observation is kind of in tune with what you're saying. It's, I think Africa is probably a decade to 15 years behind the Indian market. Um, you know, we've worked a lot on the Indian market in the last 15 years and seen it evolve. And, and I think the, the one big difference is that the Indian market um, had this very large pool of technology professionals because of its services industry. So it was a faster growth. Yes. Uh, Africa doesn't have that basis to grow from. So I think Africa may not grow as quickly. Um, on the other hand, uh, the ubiquity of cell phones is at par, right, more or less? Africa and India yeah. both very, Absolutely. very highly mobile penetrated, which was not the case. India got its mobile penetration after Geo came into sure. uh, being. With, before Geo, India didn't have that kind of penetration, but Africa now, Africa and India both have very large, geo, uh, very large penetration into the lower end of the market through mobile phones. So, so I think there will be, you know, some adjustments, but it will take probably another decade for Africa to really, you know, develop that kind of financial infrastructure, et cetera. But, but it's a very, very exciting time to be uh, playing in Africa. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that it's, it's more of a five-year cycle um, rather than a decade. I think that COVID also really helped to accelerate, or accelerate some of these digital trends. Um, the, I think that Africa is now be consi being considered into the global capital markets as an opportunity for growth and yields from investors outside. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of other factors that I think really relate to this maybe being a shorter development cycle. Um, but it will start out in key markets, right? So. Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt, Kenya, Ethiopia, um, Ghana, and then, you know, expand from there. Well, I hope you're right. I have just, you know, some skepticism about how fast markets grow and the infrastructure develops. So, all right. Well, very nice to meet you. And uh, I hope we can do some work together in the upcoming, uh, you know, cycle, decade, I guess, we, we have a long horizon of uh, how we look at relationships. So good luck. Absolutely. And, uh, thank, you. thank you so much for your time. I'm really grateful to have had this conversation with you. See you soon. Bye, Eva. Bye.